I'm going to read two passages from John. The first is from John 11, and it's on page 91 of the back section, the New Testament section of your pew Bible. Uh, and then we'll flip one page to a section of chapter 12 as well. So the first section is John 11:22 to 26, and the second section is chapter 12, 1 to 8. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those that believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And over to chapter 12. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used it to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Marianne. Good morning, everyone. Uh, it is my pleasure to share the word of God from John 12, 1 to 8 today and reflect on the wonderful and selfless act of extravagant worship rendered to Jesus by Mary. I am truly awestruck by the humility of Jesus to receive this gift. In the Bible, anointing was a sign of, of God's love and favor and special calling. Anointing could also be a way of expressing gratitude to God by giving something precious in return. Recently, one of the patients shared a story, that, a beautiful story of something that happened on the weekend. Decades ago, her neighbors were new immigrants to Canada, and they remembered that she and her family reached out to welcome them. The daughter from this family was treated like royalty by this patient, and she wanted to surprise her. Somehow, the daughter discovered that this patient was in the hospital, and she came to visit her, bringing with her some holy oil that was scented with myrrh. As soon as she opened the jar, the room smelled of this beautifully scented uh, holy oil. She anointed her, prayed, and blessed her. And this turned out to be a completely unexpected blessing. This patient felt that she had received a huge godwink by this uh, young lady's extravagant gift. Today, I will give a brief overview from John 11, and will afterwards enter into John 12, 1 to 8, with a focus on three points. What we believe matters, love poured out, and our commitment to the Lord, Lord matters. 
According to the commentaries, the anointing of Jesus takes place in each gospel. Although the event happens around the time of Holy Week, other events from each gospel are markedly different. Here in John's gospel, it is an earlier timeline that Jesus enters Jerusalem for the Passover. Scholars query that in the four gospels, whether they are the same or whether they are two separate events. To understand and appreciate Mary's extravagant act as found in the events of John 12, 1 to 8, we will review John 11 and contrast the death to life experience that is happening. In John 11, 1, we read, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on Jesus' feet and wiped them with her hair. John's gospel connects the two events and names Mary as Lazarus' sister. Situation, um, request by Mary and Martha uh, to come to Bethany. Let's go back to John 11, verse 3, where we understand that Lazarus' sister, Mary and Martha, had sent word to inform Jesus that the one he loved was sick. They were hoping that Jesus would come to Bethany quickly in order to heal Lazarus. Situational reality is that uh, Jesus' life was actually in danger at that time. Mark 14, 3 to 9. Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and teachers of the law were scheming to kill Jesus secretly. But they said, not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. John 11, verse 8 says, <clears throat> his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. John eleven forty-five to 57 the whole section deals with the plot to kill Jesus, but I will only review verse 52, 53. So from that day on, they counseled and plotted together how they might put him to death. My first point, what we believe matters. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus had a deep personal relationship and friendship with Jesus. Jesus went to visit them in their home. And we remember Martha was always busy worrying about what to cook, what kind of food to serve. And Mary was happy to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen and learn more about the kingdom of heaven and God. Luke 10, 38 to 42. You might say that they had a real edge at giving Jesus attention. Their close relationship with him evoked a deep trust that he would always be there for them. Mary and Martha both believed that Jesus was the great physician, as they were aware that he had healed many people when he, uh, he heard, they heard the stories. They realized that Jesus could either speak a word, or that he could heal from a distance, or he could come to Bethany to heal Lazarus. We remember how Jesus met the official, who then pleaded, Lord, Come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus told him, Go back home, your son will live. John 4, 49-50 Jesus heals a lame man who was sick for 38 years. Jesus told him, 
stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And instantly, the man stood up and picked up his mat and walked. John 5, 1 to 9. As Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered the village, there stood ten lepers. And they, said, they cried out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And he looked at them and said, Go, show yourself to the priests. As they went their way, they were healed of leprosy. Luke 17, 11 to 18. So it's quite reasonable for Mary and Martha to understand and perceive that Jesus would want to come and heal his friend, Lazarus. But Jesus delayed his coming as he was always walking according to his Father's will, and he knew was what was about to happen would bring glory to God. Mary and Martha's reality is their brother Lazarus is dead. John 11, 4-6. As we reflect on how Jesus goes to meet Martha and Mary after Lazarus' death, we know that he is about to meet two sisters who could not fathom or comprehend Jesus' delay. They were feeling the deep sting of death and loss and deeply moved with disappointment that Jesus had not arrived in time to heal Lazarus. They were grief-stricken and perhaps a little confused. Things did not unfold the way that they had planned. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are high above the earth, so are my ways, not your ways, and my thoughts, not your thoughts. Jesus is with them now and meets with them. He's very compassionate, but he invites them to learn and a deep, much deeper reality. Martha had walked out to meet Jesus. Jesus engages Martha to share her beliefs about what she believes about life and death in the context of her own faith. Jesus uses this opportunity to dialogue with Martha about what her beliefs are about Lazarus' death. Listen carefully to Martha's faith answer. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Her faith in Jesus is living and active, as she is, in essence, opening the door for Jesus to do something more in the here and now. Jesus perceives Martha's faith as a now event, which he could ask his father anything, and it would be done. Sounds like Martha is asking Jesus to do something right now. Jesus manages to keep Martha talking about what she believes happens to Lazarus after death. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise again when everyone else rises on the last day. Jesus challenged Martha to understand death as more of a transition to life. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? 
And this, listen to Martha's great confession of faith. I have always believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who is to come into the world from God. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Verse 39, Jesus told them, roll the stone aside. But Martha said, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Verse 43, then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, bound hand and foot, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go free. The resurrection of Lazarus changes the stench of death to a new extravagant aroma. Second point, love poured out. John 12, 1 to 8. Please join me now as a fellow onlooker invited to witness the events that unfold as a dinner is prepared to honor Jesus. Most assuredly, the family had enormous amount of gratitude and praise for their Messiah, for proving to them that he is indeed the resurrection and the life. Martha served and Lazarus was amongst those who were at the dinner table. No amount of words could possibly convey the extravagant worship that they felt in their heart for Jesus. So Martha, as she's usually portrayed, kneels down at Jesus' feet and breaks open the alabaster 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume. And she anoints the feet of Jesus and wipes his feet with her hair. Spikenor is a very costly perfume that was worth an equivalent to a day labor's wages for the entire year. Numbers 18:29 says, you must present as the Lord's portion the best and holiest part of everything given to you. Malachi 3:10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to contain it. Mary believed in giving Jesus her very best gift. Lazarus' sister Mary did not just randomly go to anoint Jesus and give her, him her everything. We see a clear relationship between Mary and Jesus. She sat at his feet many times regularly as she listened and learned from him as her teacher and friend. It was not an impulsive act. It was rooted in trust and action of surrender to Jesus as her personal Savior and Lord. Mary Elizabeth Baxter writes, There are some women's life that have the atmosphere of heaven about them, which everyone feels unobtrusive, quiet, meek, no stir, seeming to do very little, yet some way everything is done. There is nothing remarkable about their houses, yet everybody is at home there. There is nothing special about their conversation, but it helps everyone who hears it. It is the presence of the Master shining through them. The Mary spirit waits until she knows the will of her Master. Mary's extravagant worship of 
to the Lord reminds us that we can all be unto God a sweet savor of Christ. 2 Corinthians 2, 15. Join me now as the drama unfolds. There's always someone who does this, right? Verse 4. Okay, so Judas sort of throws a wrench into everything. He may have been one of the people sitting at the table there, and immediately he pours out his strong words of judgment against Mary's extravagant worship of Jesus. Judas insisted that Mary had wasted the costly perfume, which could have been sold, and the money given to the poor. In reality, we know that Judas was a thief who did not even care about the poor. But watch how quickly uh, Jesus vindicates Mary's actions and rebukes Judas, telling him to leave her alone. I just love it. Uh, (laughs) Believers in the Lord are wise to receive critique from God-fearing believers, mentors, pastors, and teachers. But other people might judge us for the ways we are led to offer extravagant worship to the Lord. This is when the Lord steps in to defend us. We can almost hear Jesus say, leave him or her alone. Very powerful. Jesus was quickly moving towards Mount Calvary to pour out his love and precious blood as a sacrifice for sin. Afterwards, he would rise from the dead to be our Lord and Savior and the resurrection and life for all who believe in him. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus invited Jesus into their homes and lives. Jesus was their Messiah, and they had a personal relationship with him. Let's look at some ways that are guaranteed to promote extravagant worship to the Lord. Revelation 3.20, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Mark 12, 30 and 31. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. Second Timothy 2, 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. John 15, 5. If you, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Third point, commitment to the Lord matters. Extravagant worship from today's reading begins with Mary and Martha experiencing the mystery of faith via a series of events that lead to delays, disappointments, and the death of their brother, Lazarus. Jesus meets Martha and Mary where they're at in the midst of their pain and grief. Just as Jesus dialogues with Martha's faith and causes, uh, he causes her to view and he stirs something new within Martha's faith that causes her to view Jesus as the resurrection and life, 
Eternal life is just what Jesus said. We go from this life to the next. Or as one of the brothers used to say, it's good night down here and good morning up there. Jesus also meets with you in the midst of your own delays to answered prayer, disappointments, griefs, sorrows, and confusion. Sometimes, as in this case, delays might be for God's glory. Jesus invites you to bring your questions, bring your beliefs, and maybe you will see his love poured into your life in a new way. Ask Jesus to comfort you and to fill that empty space with his amazing love. Mary and Martha's commitment to Jesus was firm, regardless of whether they, Jesus had raised Lazarus to life or not. Bring your distresses and tears to Jesus, just as Mary did when she was sobbing and telling Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would never have died. There is a song called Tears Are a Language That God Understands. When grief has left you low, it causes tears to flow. When things have not worked out the way that you had planned, Jesus is standing near. His promises are true. Tears are a language that God understands. John 11, verse 35 says, Then Jesus wept. Remember, Jesus was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds their wounds. Believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, that death is only a transition to eternal life. Lazarus and Jesus are only two of the eight other people who were raised from the dead. Let's review the level of commitment that some of the prophets and saints of old had. The widow of Zarephath's son is raised to life. The prophet Elijah was lodging with the widow, and her son became sick and died. Elijah laid on the body three times and cried out to God, and his son was raised from the dead. 2 Kings 13, 20 and 21. The Shuamite woman's son was raised to life. Elisha, the prophet, was staying in the upper room, and he had prayed that she would have a son, and God answered that prayer. Years later, the boy had a pain in his head and died. The woman sent for him from Mount Carmel, and he came and cried out to the Lord. Then he got in his bed and lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. As he stretched himself out on him, the boy's body grew warm. Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room, then got on the bed Stretched out once more, the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Second Kings 4, 18-37. The unnamed Israelite man is a rather unusual story of a man who died. They needed to bury him quickly, and guess where they buried him? On the prophet Elisha's tomb. As soon as the deceased man touched Elisha's bones, the dead man came back to life and stood on his feet, 2 Kings 2, 9-12. In the New Testament, the widow of Nain's uh, son was raised to life as Jesus stopped the funeral procession. Can you imagine? He stopped the funeral procession. The bearers stopped. Jesus told the man to get up, 
And the son got, sat up and started talking. Luke 7, 11 to 17. Jesus was in Capernaum when he met Jairus, who was a leader in the synagogue. He begged Jesus to heal his 12-year-old daughter who was dying. Mourners were wailing. Jesus said, she's sleeping. People laughed because they knew she was dead. Jesus took her by the hand and said, my child, sit up. Luke 8, 8 49 to 56. Tabitha, or which in Greek translates to Dorcas in Joppa, who had made many clothes for people in need, she became ill and died. After death, they washed her and put her upstairs. Believers heard that Peter was close by in a place called Leda. He asked the mourners to leave. He knelt down and prayed, and turning to her body, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand, and she, he presented her alive. Acts 9, 36 to 42. Eutychus was raised from the dead. Now listen to this one. Paul was preaching a very, very, very long sermon. And Eutychus was sitting on the windowsill, and he fell asleep. Don't do that. He fell out the window, and he died. <laughs> Paul rushed down, threw himself on the lifeless body, and he came back to life. Then Paul didn't end the service, but he broke bread, and then ended the service. Acts 20, 7 to 12. Sharing the, uh, the great and mighty things or answers to prayer that God has done in our life brings glory to God, and it is a form of extravagant worship. Offering extravagant worship happened as Lazarus and his family provided a meal to honor Jesus and when Mary uh, anointed Jesus with the expensive perfume. Sharing the great things that God has done will glorify God and bring others to the Lord. The following scriptures invite us to understand the commitment that matters to the Lord. Romans, 2, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Colossians 3:17. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18 Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. 2 Corinthians 2, 14-16 But thanks be to God, who always leads us triumphantly as captives in Christ and through us, spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are unto God a sweet aroma of Christ amongst those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To one we are the odor of death and demise, to the other a fragrance that brings life. I will clo close now with a quote from a 17th century priest named 
Angelus Celestius. What if we were to live like the rose, without a why? What if we blossomed simply because we blossomed? What if there was no motive or seeking to our blossoming? To be noticed, to be praised, to accomplish? What if we fragranced the world because we couldn't do anything else but fragrance the world? The rose is going to do regardless of whether anyone sees or smells it. Its beauty and fragrance are not a means to an end. It has no why. All glory to God. <laughs>